Optophobia, the fear of opening one's eyes. This podcast is dedicated to encouraging you, our listeners, to move beyond that fear, to solve riddles they don't want us to unriddle, to investigate supposedly ironclad truths, to unearth evidence buried for so long they believed it would stay buried. Season 2, Deep State. The Deep State is real. And it's just that, a 51st state, hidden from the American people, and unacknowledged by the federal government, even as it pulls the government's most important levers. How do you hide an entire state? You bury it. Deep. In Civics 101, we're taught the particulars of the visible constitutional state. The one you can visit in Washington. The one you vote for. Deep state is just a new term for a phenomenon that's influenced American democracy for 150 years. To many, it describes another more shadowy, more indefinable government. That description is accurate, but it's not the whole story. In July 1861, weeks after the first major fight of the Civil War, the first battle of Bull Run, members of President Lincoln's inner circle nervous about his chances at reuniting the nation, decided the country needed a backup plan in case the capital fell. They sent a small group of civil engineers called the Shovelmen to scout locations in the West. Today, some say the hole dug by the Shovelmen, believed to be underneath the Colorado-Wyoming border, houses a powerful bureaucracy rumored to be 600,000 strong. So why is a shadow government, designed to silently run the real version of American democracy, suddenly a regular topic of conversation within the constitutional state? Is there dissent in today's deep state? What's the ultimate goal of deep state leadership? This season on Optophobia, we'll track down the distortions, the assumptions, the omissions. Are you bored by the lies? Open your eyes. I'm your host, Gustavo Frang. One of the joys of hosting a podcast like this is that the guests we invite on continually make me rethink assumptions about the premises that we explore. For instance, I had never before considered the possibility that time may have essentially stopped for residents of the deep state the moment that the shovelmen and their successors submerged into the earth and closed the portal or the door or whatever it is to the traditional 50. This week's guest has an amazing story to tell, and we will get to Misa in a minute. But first, I want to continue telling you guys about these revelations we keep getting from our listener, Todd Snosh. Snosh is, of course, the scholar who is writing a book about Dippy, the Diplodocus dinosaur fossil discovered by Andrew Carnegie's paleontologists in Medicine Bow, Wyoming in 1899, and the subsequent ways Carnegie used Dippy to spy on other nations for the U.S. Army's Military Information Division and President Theodore Roosevelt. But in his Medicine Bow research, Snosh has also uncovered some original documents that shed more light on the origins of our second season topic, the Deep State. 
Last week, we learned that Captain Habakkuk P. Mott had informed members of President Lincoln's inner circle that the shovelman had found a potential dig site near, quote, a place called Walbright. The shovelman had, of course, been sent west to find a possible location for an underground government in exile should the Confederate Army take Washington. I looked up Walbright last week, and it is indeed the name of a creek in Wyoming, in the southern foothills of the Medicine Bow Mountains that straddle Wyoming and Colorado. So this week, Todd sent me an email. He tends to only give us bits of research at a time, which is annoying, but maybe he's just sending it as he finds it in the archives of where he's doing his research. It included another letter from Captain Mott to Bishop Matthew Simpson, Lincoln's spiritual advisor and a member of the president's inner circle who'd sent the shovelman west in the first place. So in this letter from August of 1862, Mott writes that, quote, the dig has slowed considerable, Bishop. While the soil is perfect for our project, the giant creature's bones are everywhere our shovels touch. When we finally get them loose, they are so heavy as we try and move them to the trash heap for burning. Though, funny thing, Corporal Pickett is so dumb and lonely that he has been trying to romance a stegosaurus femur for the last couple of weeks. So that's interesting because it seems that the shovelman saw dinosaur bones as a nuisance and tried to get rid of them with fire or have sex with them. So hopefully we will keep getting more history updates from Mr. Snosh. But in the meantime, I'm here with my regular co-host, star of the giant YouTube show Spoiled Treats, Clifford Hanger. How are you, Cliff? Hey, what's going on? Call me Ford. Uh, my friends call me Cliff Stavo. I had a thing that happened to me this week. I watched this movie at home called 12 Years a Slave. Solomon Northrup, heard of him? Mm -hmm. He was kidnapped from, can you believe it? Saratoga Springs, ring a bell. Is that right? Yeah. Ring a bell? Yeah. He was kidnapped from Saratoga Springs and sent to the deep south, whereas I was kidnapped from the deep state and sent to Saratoga Springs 12 years ago. Was that 12 years ago? Yeah, it was 12 years. No, it was 12 years ago. So what What did you feel when you made that connection? Uh, Well, he's black, so we don't have that much in common. Well, he, like, your friend Trevor is black. Oh, yeah, Trev. So there's sort of a connection there between Trevor yeah. oh, and yeah, I was, Solomon. I was watching it with Trev. Trev is the one who came over and was like, hey, you, have you seen this? Because this is kind of like what you've been talking about, but like the reverse. Uh, so he no he noticed the... Oh, Trev, Trev noticed, picks up, he, like, the uh, thing I'll say, I never really talk about black people, but the thing I'll say about Trev is, you know, God bless that people, they pick up on everything. <laughs> So when you say that people, what do you, what do you mean? Like their community, you know, their community, they pick up on everything and like, they don't let most things go. I mean, Trevor's family. Yeah. Trevor's close knit community, his family, they pick up on a lot of things, especially in movies. They're all cinephiles. So his parents and his, yeah, his parents, siblings. he's got his mom, his dad's around sometimes. He's got two brothers, three sisters, and he's got an uncle who likes to drink. Um, we watched 12 years of slave and he like immediately was like, Hey, you know what, Cliff? Because he calls me Cliff because he's my friend. She's like, hey, Cliff, this is like the exact opposite of like your life. Like you were kidnapped from the deep state. 
Solomon was taken from where you landed and put into the deep south. And he was like telling me some stuff I never even thought about. He was like, you know, when you think about it, the deep south and the slave slavery system was like the first deep state. And that like blew my mind. That really opened. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, given the history of the the origins of the deep state happening during the Civil War, that's I was like, I didn't even make that connection before. So shout out to Trev. T money and uh thanks for uh pointing that out so i'm like i'm doing a lot of deep dives now on um uh, i'm kind of unboxing 12 years of slave as yeah it were. sounds like you're unboxing a lot in your head yeah yeah so so if you'd like a little more background about our season exploring the deep state you can listen to our first episode or go to our website optophobia.org for more context so unfortunately our scheduled guest for this week houston area based juggler paul gaggerns was unable to make it to D.C. for the show. Paul is, of course, the nation's preeminent thinker on the so-called Imperium Animalis theory, which says that the deep state controls the constitutional state through animal mind control, specifically at the National Zoo. So Paul couldn't join us because they had some heavy rain in Houston last week, and the gully that he lives in was washed out. So he's rebuilding and said he would join us in a few weeks. Oh, good. But we were extremely lucky because at the very, very last minute, we were able to convince this week's guest, shop owner Misa Rose, to join us. Uh, Misa, thank you for being here and welcome to Optophobia. You're very welcome. Oh, thank you. You're very welcome. Maybe you can uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from and what you do. Absolutely. So I'm from Yeager, West Virginia, small mountain town, and I happen to be a shop owner of a nice photo boutique called Brighter Days. It's about an hour outside of Yeager, West Virginia, in Princeton, West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother owned that shop. My grandmother owned that shop. It's in my family. Take a lot of um, christening photos, family photos, those things where people recreated on Facebook and they have the adult people do the little baby photos. I do the original. And it's called what? It's called Brighter Brighter Days. Brighter Days. Yes. So when you look at a picture, it reminds you of Brighter Days. So it's a there's a nostalgia element. Absolutely. It has nothing to do with the flash. Why? Because you said Brighter Days. I'd assume that it had something to do with like... Aren't you an Einstein? I'm confused a little bit. I'm not. I wasn't even thinking about that. It was really about the nostalgia. I went straight to like Brighter Days. I was probably because of the camera flash. It's very technical. Yeah. We work from the spirit. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. You were thinking more practical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm outside my house. Right. So you're thinking practically. Thinking very practically. That's yeah. it. So Brighter Days has been, has it been called Brighter Days for generations? Too? Generations. So your business is nostalgia and it has been since before you were born. Yes. And you can put a price tag on it. Paid for my house. You can put a price tag on nostalgia. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Huh. People will pay $300 to get that baby frozen in time in a christening dress. Okay. Now I have a question because I'm, uh, I'm a fan of, you heard of Star Wars? Yes, I have. So if I wanted to freeze a friend of mine in, uh, like Han Solo like. Mm. How much is that nostalgia worth? Well, Han Solo was a little bit of a scoundrel. Not I a little bit. He was a lot of bit of a, a scoundrel. A lot of bit yeah. of a scoundrel. So I would say I would put $20 on Han Solo. 20 Oh, that's a steep price. Okay. That's a lot for nostalgia. But wait, maybe I'm confused. You're saying that the picture of Cliff's friend as Han Solo frozen in whatever that was. 
that would be the, something that you would take a picture? That... I would take a picture of it, and I would only value it as $20 because mm-hmm. Han Solo is a grown man who was a scoundrel, uh-huh. whereas a baby, I would put $300 on. Okay, so if I get a friend who's got a baby, okay. Yeah, 300 the minimum. And then I can freeze them in the carbonite whatever, and take a photo. Whatever you want to do. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. That's fascinating. I didn't know a place like this exists. Mm-hmm. So, Misa, did you grow up in the shop? Like, as a kid, were you doing some of the photography elements or the design I elements? Did. I did some of the photography. I really was a spiritual coach to a lot of people that came in. Oh, oh okay. You know? I could see that. Thank you. Yeah. I could see that, too. You're wearing a huge, you got a huge scarf on. You got to make a statement, you know? Yeah. And that's what people don't really realize. Small towns, big towns. I'm the baby of three. And my oldest sister is Miss Teen West Virginia. My middle sister, who's still older than I am, uh-huh. is going to some kind of school in New Jersey. The colors are, I don't really understand. I don't know. But they always call and have so much anxiety, you uh-huh. know? They don't believe in themselves. Uh-huh. And it's like all the people I saw at my shop when I was 13 through pretty much today, uh-huh. you know? The last 20 years, just people with low self-esteem. But you can come in with a scarf. And make a memory and hang that on your mantle. The scarf or the memory? The memory. Yeah. Yes. When you're talking about spiritually uh, comforting somebody who comes into a shop that specializes in nostalgia, how as a, a young kid were you able to summon that sort of authority to counsel them spiritually? That's good. You try to take my bread and butter, you know? I can't tell you how I make my money. I just do it. Yeah. You know, yeah. I can't give you all the secrets. But is this something that you learned from your grandmother? That you Actually, had... it's what I learned not to do from my grandmother and my mother. Classic grandma always telling you what not to do. Mm-hmm. You bet not. I'm sorry. I shouldn't do that voice because my grandma actually didn't talk like that. My grandma was like, excuse me, mm. Ford, you, you know, you're not supposed to talk like that. You're not supposed to do that. You should pull your pants up, pee in the toilet. She called you Ford. Yeah, she called me Ford. She wasn't my friend. No, she's your grandmother. She's my grandma. It's different. Boundaries. So you you learned how to spiritually counsel people in uh, antithetical direction from your grandmother and your mother. Yeah, I just saw, I think that my grandmother and my mother struggle with what my two sisters struggle with, mm. you know? So what uh, Ford was talking about with the flash, they're great on the technical aspect, mm-hmm. right? Okay. And then you got to get people into the mindset of you're valuable, You know, you're not your scarf. You're wearing this scarf. Oh, so you kind of got them into character for the for the actual photograph. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, okay. And then you link it to nostalgia. I remember when I came into this shop Uh and I looked at Miss Misa and Miss Misa looked at me and taught me how to be somebody. And they associate that with the picture forever. This is remind. Okay, so this is like. I've, you've ever gone to Six Flags or Kings of Men, and they've got those like dress up, uh, where you can dress up like in uh, as a cowboys or something, and like old timey Victorian stuff. Right? Is that similar to what this is? You cut right in front of me. Oh, I'm so sorry. I was just. You it, should be sorry. I, I, it's not gentleman like. I'm so sorry. I just had nostalgia there for a second. Mm-hmm. I was like, wait, I did this before. I did this with my friends before. Like everyone else was dressed up in like nice like flowing gowns and blousey dresses and stuff and like my friend Travis with us they didn't give him much they only had like some tattered clothes but it's for the time period of the picture it, it all worked but i'm sorry that was nostalgic actually let's take a quick break uh and we will come right back with misa rose we'll be right back 
Hey, optophobes, are you worried about banana strings? If not, you should be. You know what I'm talking about, the few fibrous strands still semi-attached to the banana after you peel it. Those strings are called phloem bundles, and they're part of a banana's vascular system, which supplies the plant with nutrients. Scientists will tell you that phloem bundles are good for you, that the potassium fiber, vitamin A, and vitamin B6 are nutritious, and that you should actually eat them. Scientists are wrong. Banana strings are very dangerous to human beings. It's debatable whether you should even eat a banana without wearing latex gloves. A 1972 study by a guy at Surf City Institute of Technology in New Jersey found that a steady diet of phloem bundles could have caused excessive perspiration in three of the 760 mice in his study. We know from science that people who perspire also sometimes have heart attacks and get cancer. Now that you're terrified about banana strings, Blend Venom Solutions has your back with Mojave Creosote Serum. To make Mojave Creosote Serum, we combine the venom of the Mojave rattlesnake and extract from the creosote bush, also found in the Mojave Desert. The creosote bush thrives because it secures more water by preventing the growth of other plants around it. Similarly, taking a daily dose of Mojave Creosote Serum will remind you to wait until other members of your family peel a banana, placing them at greater risk of fatal diseases caused by phloem bundle exposure. Once a loved one has cleared a path to banana safety, you can feel secure taking the now-naked banana from them and eating it yourself. Blend Venom Solutions. We take away your fears using snakes. We are back with Misa Rose. So Misa, you were telling us a little bit about your shop and growing up in your shop and your specialty in the shop, which is sort of getting people into the spirit of the uh, nostalgia that they need to kind of inhabit for a great photograph. Absolutely. Maybe you can tell us a little bit more about that and then how that is connected to the deep state, if indeed your work is what connects you. My work completely connects me to the deep state. I would also like to add that I do some mall modeling on the side. And I did that when I was younger. Um, very great hand model. Oh, Best in Mercer model. Yes. I didn't want to say anything, but she came in here and I said, look at those digits. You can call me Misa Rose. I don't tell a lot of people that, but that's what you can call me. Okay. I'll call okay. you. I'll call you Misa Rose and then tell people to check out those digits because her hands look beautiful. Thank you. Mall modeling is a is it is it just hand modeling? People spend far much too t- much time on the face, mm-hmm. yeah, and put all of their self esteem in the face. I agree. What did your oldest sister think when you became a hand model? I knew she was jealous. Yeah, yeah. Did that cause friction between you? Because she was Miss was she Miss Teen Miss Teen West, West Virginia, Virginia already at that point, or was she? She was uh, on her last night of the competition, mm. and then I had uh, a lot of photos put up at the Mercer Mall of my hands, holding flower pots, bags. And I could tell that that's what she really wanted to do. But all she had was her face. Yeah, I've, I've watched a lot of those competitions from different states and stuff. And last night is dining gown and swimsuit night. And so if you're not going to present your face, you might as well not be at the competition. So that must have been a lot for her to go through to still win that competition. Like, yeah. Well, good for her. I guess. And for you. I guess. Mostly for me. So, yeah, tell us a little bit about how Brightest 
Brighter Days. Brighter Days. Brighter Days. You got to think of The Flash. Tell us how Brighter Days is connected to the deep state. Okay, so similar to what Ford was talking about. With his friend, Travis. Call me Hanger. Hanger? Yeah. I will. Oh, oh. What? Uh, okay. Okay. Well, similar to what Hanger was talking about with his friend getting tattered clothes. Actually, I don't like that. Call me Ford. I'm just going to sign your name with my hands and see if you like that. Oh, lucky me. Sorry. I no, Sorry. I don't mean to get frisky here. I apologize. Okay. Well, similar to what you were saying about Old Dominion and tattered clothes, right? So my mall is very different. King's Dominion. King's Dominion. Thank you. I did go to Old Dominion. With uh, you went there to, for, in school to school. Yeah, Trev. Uh, he had a, a uh, he had a homecoming at uh, Old Dominion. I went there and hung out. You went to his homecoming. Yeah, yeah. I went to his homecoming and like, man, as soon as I showed up, I was roasted because those people they didn't <laughs> miss it. <laughs> in all fairness, those people don't miss anything. Like I was wearing khakis and like a. Just a polo shirt, and I just did not fit in. And they just roasted you. Oh, they some of the, some of the best jokes I've ever heard in my life. Like, like stuff I can't even repeat because a lot of it had like the N word in it. And they're yeah, like, be "Careful with that." Yeah, they were like, "N word. Why do you why are you over here dressing like?" That? And I was like, "I confused because like I'm white. I don't. I'm from Saratoga. I don't understand this." Well, you're not from Saratoga. Thank you. You see how I slip slip into that because of what they've done to me? Right. Thank you for correcting me, Gustavo. Sorry to interrupt. I'm going to choose to forgive you. Thank you. I'm going to choose to forgive you. Thanks. Well, Ford, mm-hmm. Hanger, mm-hmm. I hope you're looking as I said both of those with my hands. Mm-hmm. I did. You've spelt it in the air. Absolutely. So similar to different theme parks, right, where you dress up in tattered clothes and Civil War clothes. That would just be weird if we were doing that as a country because mm-hmm. one side clearly won. Mm-hmm. Right. And we don't live we don't live in that kind of place yeah. where you would just dress up as a losing side just exactly. for fun. We wouldn't do no, that we in this country. No, no. Everyone respects the results of that. They are legitimate. Legitimate result. Everybody wants to be a Yankee. Mm-hmm. We love that. Mm-hmm. So in my shop, you have the option of dressing up as a, a Confederate, somebody in the Civil War. Right. And at a lot of different malls, you have that option. At themes parks, you have that option. Mm -hmm. And that is really because there is a delivery service for those pictures. You can take an elevator, at least from my mall, you take an elevator about 10 floors down. Oh, my God. Then an escalator. Far, far down. Similar to what y'all have up here in D.C., like the metro, right? Mm-hmm. Your ears pop yeah. at least three times. Yeah. And what happens to those negatives of those photos is that they are delivered to the hardworking men of the deep state. Oh. This is why we take these pictures. Wait a minute. So the people in the deep state think the war is still happening? They think we are in a stalemate. I want to make sure that we're clear about this. The, you take pictures of people. In, in your shop, uh-huh. and they are dressed in Civil War era. Garb. They say, thank you, Misa, pay you the $300. Yep. And then they leave, but the negative of their shot wow. travels on its own or you travel with it. So this is the secret. I was contacted. See, this was funny. So my mama had said... You're just like me. You're just like your grandma. You're not going anywhere. You're just owning this shop. But she said it with a smile. She said it like she was happy. Yeah, she knew you'd be she safe. Knew what, yeah, she knew what you were getting. She knew what you were inheriting. Exactly. You think a teen, a Miss Teen West Virginia could do that? No. 
You think some college person could handle that? Yes. No. A it's college? Incorrect. Oh, okay. It's incorrect. What are the qualifications to run a um, f- photography studio? Where? Well, if you're doing a handoff of photos, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You need someone that's very well versed in the mall and someone with beautiful hands. Oh, I didn't even think about you that. You didn't even think about you that. You would need beautiful hands. Oh, man, you ever that's... seen Ray? You ever seen the movie Ray? That's the movie with the blind guy. Uh, who wears sunshades, but he's blind. Yes. Indoors. Indoors. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah, he plays the piano. So let me tell you what is a callback to the deep state in okay. that movie. Uh-huh. And why I am chosen to commune with them, with these negatives. Now, Ray makes beautiful music. Mm-hmm. And when he's trying to find a wife, what does he do? He don't touch nobody's face. Oh, my God. He touches those wrists. Holy crap. I remember that from the movie because I was like, Trev, why is he doing that? Why isn't he just... Touch your face, isn't that one blind? He said, no, you Mm-mm. understand. You can learn so much more about a person by touching their wrists, touching their hands. And I was like blown away that Trev knew that. I tell you, they don't miss nothing. How did they decide on your shop of all the shops? Or are other shops like yours also funneling negatives to the deep state? It's a great question. So essentially, this all happened when I turned 27. I got a un, you know, a non. Six years ago. Thank you. I got a nondescript note saying, "Go to the elevator. Press P seven. Get on this escalator. Take the negatives." Right. Mm-hmm. And I did. And I had the negatives. And you know, I had a feeling maybe I should wear the outfits of what the photos I was taken of, just in case. I didn't know, just in case. And when I got down to where I was. I saw no fewer than seven other women holding packages. All women. All women. All women. What were their hands look like? I mean, they were no more prettier than mine, I will tell you that. But they were pretty. But they were good hands. They were good hands. Because men in those days like simpler things. Mm-hmm. You know? Woman with nice hands. Nice hands. Dinner ready when you come home. A tourniquet ready for when you come home from war. A tourniquet ready when you come home from war. Yep. Was I asking too much? No. 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 Simpler times. Yes. Do you actually get to see anybody from the deep state? Or is it one of those situations where you get to a certain level and they just say, please leave the negatives on this table and go? So they asked me to just leave it on the table. Uh Now, the one fellow I talked to, he had old, old timey uniform. Big, big mustache. Okay. And he grabbed my hand and he pulled me close. Hope he didn't damage it. No. Not that kind of gentleman. Okay. And he said, you keep this up, we'll take you through. What else was on his face? Did he have any kind of distinguishable marks? He had a mole. He had a mole? He had a mole on his upper lip. Left side, right side? Right side. And it was a little bit covered by a mustache and a lot of soot. A lot of soot on his face. a lot of soot on his Mm -hmm. face. Wow. Because this reminded me of, you know, the, the doctor who was here talking about he kidnapped a baby, took a baby from the deep state. So I'm just trying to put together all these kinds of faces and whatnot. But this you're just th- thinking that there might be a connection there too. Yeah, I'm just try- I'm I'm always trying to figure out my past. But okay, I don't. This guy doesn't sound familiar to me. I mean, the deep state, in so many ways, has so much influence over our policy, mm-hmm. uh, like our federal government. They they must know a lot of the subject matter that we deal with in 2020, yeah. and yet. It sounds like they are stuck in some sort of cultural or at least physical moment from 
150 years ago. Someone might say a snapshot in time. I don't hate what you did there. I love it. Okay, good. I love it. Do people down there, are they really kind of, do they dress like that? Do they talk like they might have in the 1860s? So when I go down there, I I choose to talk as little as possible. Okay. Because I know my role. Mm. And I know what time period we're in. Yeah. And I know that those men are hardworking. You know? Um, I think that they're definitely frozen in time. I saw one lady have a blindfold on and she was escorted inside. They opened up two very large double doors. It was a lot of bright light, mm-hmm. not natural light, uh, something like a sad lamp or something like that, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she got to go in. Okay. I don't really see why. I don't really see what they saw in her specifically. Mm. When you go down there, do you ever get the urge or any sort does any feeling of responsibility to tell them that the society that their forefathers left 150 years ago looks very, very different? I'm going to kick that question back to you. Uh If you had a great-grandmother, right, and she was all loopy, and confused. Would you take away a nostalgia picture and say, oh, no, these aren't these aren't your kids anymore. They're big. And one of them is fired and doesn't have a job. And the other one is just a total screw up. Would you take that away from your great grandmother? Right. So it's sort of what is more important, the truth or maintaining appearances, appearances of happiness. I think appearances of happiness way more important than the truth. Yeah, absolutely. For a lot of people, you know, that is quite a dilemma, though, that not a lot of people have had to think about. I have the shoulders to hold it. Okay, yeah, I can see that. And the hands and the hands to support your shoulders. Yeah, absolutely. That's true. Wow. We are almost out of time. I have I have one more question. I don't know, Cliff, if you have other. I think I have one, too. You want to go first? Sure. If I gave you a letter that I wrote to deliver to the deep state, could you? You think you could? When you take down some of these photos, you can just slip it in one of these photos. Gustavo, can you stop listening right now? Yeah, sorry. Do you think you can take this letter down and uh, deliver it to one of them, those gentlemen with the uh, suit on their face? You're putting me in a pickle. Well, I'm not trying to put you in anything. I think you. I just, I just need this letter to get to the deep state. Because you complimented me on my hands mm-hmm. for you, I'll deliver half of the letter. Okay, that's all I need. Okay. You guys know this is a podcast, right? So I, I wasn't listening, but a lot of other people. Yeah, as long as you weren't listening, okay. Gustavo, I'm okay. Misa, I, my question is a question that we ask a lot of guests who have had some experience. You have had an amazing experience with the deep state. You've gotten closer than most, I think, to experiencing it, I'm wondering if you have any thoughts about what the deep state wants from the rest of us. With the pictures I've delivered and my mama and my grandma, I think that they just want to know that there's something worth working for. You know, there's something good out there that they should keep churning and churning over, right? Because these people are choosing to live in ignorance and only having a shred of contact with lovely women like myself. Mm-hmm. And if we think about how blessed we are here in this country, it might be because of them. Well, we will have to leave it there for now. I want to thank our guest this week, Misa Rose. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for being here with us. And I want to thank my co-host, as always, 
Clifford Hanger. Call me Cliff. Cliff Hanger, thanks for being here again. Next week, we are going to talk to Karen Almond-Schnazy, a poet and the author of Sheep of the Westernmost Edge of Western Warwick, Rhode Island, 1928 to 1944, published by Savage Books. So Karen has a forthcoming poetry collection about the deep state called Underground is Where the Heart Is, which is kind of what, Misa, what you were just saying. It is. We will dive into the literary offerings of our 51st state next time. So thank you for listening to Optophobia. I am Gustavo Fring, and I will leave you with this. A woman who has seen the sky in all its wonder and might may find that the clouds tell her the truest of tales. If you've got theories about what the deep state really wants, we'd like to hear them. You can find us on our website at optophobia.org or on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at at optophobes. And please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Thank you to Simone Webster, who played Misa Rose. Simone performs in Washington, D.C. with I Don't Know Her, Hellcat, and Founding Fathers. You can follow her on Instagram at at callmemissymoney. Jamal Newman played Clifford Hanger. Jamal performs with Lena Dunham and Nixon. You can follow him on Instagram and Twitter at at hellonewman and find him at jamalnewman.com. Optophobia was produced by Tim Townsend. Music by Bart Warshaw. Cover art by Claire Smalley. Website by Chance Griffin. Thanks for listening. Until next week, keep them open.